This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into episode 132 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridge of Bruins, Scott McLaughlin. The Bruins are 12-2-0 after their 3-1 victory over the Calgary Flames at the TD Garden. It marked the return of Charlie McAvoy in his season debut. And Johnny on the spot, he gets the game-winning goal. Um, I believe it was a power play goal. Uh, in the it was right period. after the power yeah, play. Right after. After. So uh, similar to Brad Marchand, he makes his season debut. Marchand did and had two goals and now... McAvoy makes his debut and scores the one goal. Um, so just, you know, there's been a – the Bruins obviously have had, they've won 12 of their four, first 14, so you would think it's it's just been gravy the whole time. But they haven't always been pretty wins. I think tonight is one of those where it wasn't a pretty win. I, I, I honestly kind of thought that Calgary carried the play for a lot of the game. I think that they've been on a pretty bad losing streak despite having good talent, so they knew that they had to come up and play hard. But, um, yeah, I mean – Good teams find a way to win. Bruins keep finding ways to win. Yeah, and I thought uh, you're definitely right. Like Calgary had more possession, seemed to control play uh, for long stretches of the game. But I thought the Bruins defensively stayed pretty sound. Like they they gave up a lot of shot attempts, but I'm looking at high danger chances, five to five for the game. They didn't give up a lot of high danger chances. If you look at like the, you know, natural stat tricks, fancy shot heat map, everything for oh, Calgary Scott's is from favorite. the everything for Calgary is from the outside, and like that's exactly how it felt watching it. It was like Flames had the puck, they were in the zone, but the Bruins really weren't letting them get to the front all that much. And now, a few times they did, and Allmark came up big, and Calgary had what six power plays, um, and you know tested the Bruins some on that. But five on five, I thought the Bruins, you know, obviously you would love to get more pressure and win pucks back and get going the other way. But when they were defending in their zone, I thought did a did a pretty good job. And that was that was key. They they took advantage of a couple chances that they got with two defensemen scoring. You mentioned McAvoy. Connor Clifton had their first goal on a, a nice play where he gets set up by Nosek with the you know, nice pass back to the point. Takes a shot, tracks down his own rebound, and buries it. Nick Felino, right on top of the crease on both goals, uh, t- basically ties up a defender on Clifton's and uh, sets a screen on McAvoy's. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about Felino a little more. He also stands up for Nosek after Nosek takes um, a hit that I thought was definitely a penalty. Um, 
by Kevin Rooney, you know, kind of from behind, sort of drove his head into the glass. And Felino stands up for him, drops the gloves. So, you know, Felino definitely making his presence felt. But it, yeah, it was one of those wins that you just have to grind out. It's not pretty. It's not one of the high scoring wins we saw earlier in the season. But, you know, Linus Elmark comes up big again. And uh, Bruins shown that, you know, they can, as we've seen quite a few times now, that they can win different ways. And this was a kind of grinded out defensive game, just, you know, just one or two breakthroughs kind of decided. Yeah. And and that's something that coach Montgomery talks about after every game. And, and even Charlie McAvoy, when we talked to him after the game as well, just seeing how the Bruins always find a way to win in the third period, it's been a lot of different ways they've had to come out and do it in the third period, but they always find a way to win. They have still not lost at home. Um, and I asked Charlie McAvoy, like, you know, it was probably hard to sit there and watch um, you know, your team having all this success and, and all the wins and, and whatnot. And he said, you know, yeah, it was, it, it's hard to watch, but he, that's one of the things he enjoyed was just seeing how they somehow were able to find their way um, in all of these different styles of games and come out with wins. And he was happy to be a part of one um, in tonight's game, but that's something that pretty much, you know, we, when we talk to guys and when we talk to coach, they bring that up a lot. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think there was a lot of anticipation for this game. Obviously, when um, we've kind of speculated the last week and a half or so, you know, could McAvoy come back soon? And Scott kept making the the good point about um, when we see him in practice with Lindholm or somebody like that, we'll have a better idea. And that's exactly what happened. So the last thirty six hours or so, it's been a lot of anticipation to see the Bruins with minus Forbert and Swayman, like their full lineup, which really is when when they're on paper it is i would say up there with anybody in the, in the nhl as far as uh stanley cup caliber so it's kind of like they played so well this year it was almost like all right well now they're gonna really be something but i think what what you saw tonight is uh they were pretty sloppy um i i still think that every season's a new team right and even though it's the majority of the team from last year like it's it's still um uh, it's still a new unit. And I think like there are new players still being integrated like Pavel Zaka and, and others. And um, so I, I guess what I'm saying is it wasn't the smoothest game that we thought we were going to maybe see because McAvoy is still clawing his way back in. I think he only played four plus minutes in the first period. So I don't know. It was a sloppy game for the most part, at least offensively it was. Um, but they're going to find their groove uh, the more reps that McAvoy gets. And, Somebody, I think Scott mentioned the start that Eric Carlson has had in San Jose. And um, it's almost like, well, where was that the last few years? And I think when you had kind of two alphas on the blue line in San Jose with Eric Carlson and Brent Burns, sometimes it's like tough to have one guy play to a ceiling because you're, you're sharing touches. And maybe that, and maybe that's why Hampus Lindholm got off to such a strong start this year. He was the guy back there. But now with McAvoy back, they're obviously a stronger unit with the two of them together, but it's going to be something that they're going to have to focus on is, is um, being able to both play to their potential when you have two alphas in the back end. And maybe that's splitting them up on the different pairs like they kind of did tonight, but that's just something that the Brewers are going to have to figure out as the season goes along. Like who's, who's going to quarterback that, that top power play unit. Are they going to stick with five forwards all year? I don't think so. Who's going to, 
who's going to be on the ice when you, when you're down a goal uh, in the goalie pool, probably both of them, but just little things like that. Like the Bruins have to figure out who, what everybody's role is when everybody's, everybody's healthy. Yeah. And to to your point about, you know, the defense and, and Lindholm and McAvoy in particular, they did start today with Lindholm with Clifton and McAvoy with Grizzly. So, um, you know, they did split them up and Lindholm ended up getting more time on the power play, but all of it with a second, they, they literally did not put for the entire game on all five power plays. They did not put a defenseman on the first unit. Um, so it was all time on the second unit, but it was about two minutes for Lindholm and a minute for McAvoy. No time for Grizzlick on the power play now that McAvoy's back. So um, just interesting to see how they kind of move that around. And I think coach really likes that Lindholm Clifton pairing to keep it together for now, at least. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that's a good pairing to go with if you're wanting to avoid like what you said, Brian, like putting two guys out there that have such high offensive ceilings. Um, and so they don't kind of take that time away from each other. Yeah. The, the Lindholm Clifton pairing has been really good now and basically four games together since Forber went down. And obviously a, a huge reset is just that uh, Connor Clifton is now playing like a legitimate top four defenseman and really has been all season. Like he and Forbert had to be, uh, you know, a second pair behind Lindholm and whoever earlier in the season because of injuries. And then Forbert goes down, he gets put with Lindholm and they play well together. And now, you know, McAvoy comes back and you're wondering, okay, maybe they go, you know, do you go Lindholm McAvoy and then Grizzly Carlo and Clifton's back to the third pairing. Nope. He stays with Lindholm and he, continues to get to get minutes i think he was second among bruins defensemen in minutes again tonight uh 1928 he's over you know he's like 21 minutes per game in the season and at least for now has clearly moved ahead of brandon carlo on the depth chart um i think that's reflected in their minutes and you know i don't even necessarily think like carlo's played poorly i think i think he's been fine but Clifton has really just taken his game to another level this season and he's done it. He has been involved on offense. He's been physical and he's really earned those minutes. And, you know, Brian, to your point, like if that frees up both McAvoy and Lindholm potentially, then maybe you do keep them apart for the time being. Um, you know, I tweeted out some stats on the Lindholm Carl Clifton pairing uh, before the game, and now updated after the game. Like their numbers are just absurd. They're like around sixty percent on Corsi when they're on the ice, shots on goal when they're on the ice, expected goals. The Bruins have now outscored opponents five nothing when they've been on the ice together. So, yeah, like why would you just pair that up? And we know Grizzly and McAvoy have plenty of chemistry. They've played together and always been successful in the past. The question with that pairing was always, well, is is Grizzly really going to hold up as like a top pairing guy in those kind of minutes? uh, You know, when you really need it. Two guys with bum shoulders. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Who got shoulder surgery on the same day at the same place. Yeah. They're just Um, like hanging out on a couch together for part of the summer. Yeah. 
but it's like there's a little less pressure on that pairing when you kind of have like another top pairing, which is what you get when you have a guy like Campus Lindholm. So, yeah, you Montgomery can ride, you know, this lineup for as long as he wants or he can switch it up like they, they have plenty of options. But I think Clifton playing as well as he's been playing, like really helps create those options. Yeah, and, and when asked, I think you asked Coach this question uh, about Clifton. Uh, he's, what he said about him was he continues to lead us in physicality. Um, him and Felino both are kind of, you know, one guy on the back end, one guy on the front end, the two guys on the team that um, lead by example when it comes to being physical. Clifton laid a hit on Lucci. Uh, you know, it, it, that's dangerous. You know you know that. Uh, so, he he's been and it's been every game it's been so consistent with him whereas in the past it's like okay five good games all of a sudden he's looking like okay maybe back down to providence and then and now he clifton is um really kind of secured his his role in a on a team where there have been defensemen that have had to go up and down mike riley notably um and you know zaboral coming out of the lineup a lot but clifton has played in every single game um, and he has definitely earned his time on the ice. Um, and also I, he, he said something you would like Scott, and I know you heard him. He said his goal and his shots would, were going to help his Corsi. That's right. <laughs> and I think he looked right at you. Like, <laughs> um, this is for yeah. the, apparently he follows it. I don't know. I think he's he's at least aware of the concept. I don't know how closely he really follows it, but <laughs> but his his was very good uh, this season. Um, it was I, it was also funny when maybe he, was, he saw your tweet. Maybe he was like Scott, my course he's going to go up. Readjust your stats. Possibly. <laughs> Make um, another tweet. It was also funny when he was at when he was talking about that Lucci shit. He said, uh, "Yeah, two big bodies coming together." I'm like. <laughs> I wanted to be like you're you're like five eleven one ninety, but and like, he was kidding, obviously. Yeah, I guess. But he I was in a good like, mood. He, he might legitimately mood. just think he's bigger than he is. Well, he like played, the like the Chihuahua mentality. Yeah. He plays. He plays big. So, yeah. um, the, the 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 first word that comes to my mind when I watch Connor Clifton is engaged. He's always engaged when he's on the ice. Um. And you just notice him. You always notice him when he's out there, at least this year. I mean, he's had his troubles in the past. You know, he's always had that cliffy hockey ability that people speak of, but then there were times where he'd get reckless. But it hasn't been the case this year. This year, it's either it's either um, it's a solid solid body check you're noticing, or he's jumping into the rush, or just it's it doesn't really. It, he's always doing something, and I think that Connor Clifton fits the mold better for what Jim Montgomery wants to see in his decor when it comes to um, jumping into the offense. Like, so if you're Jim Montgomery, you look at your decor and you're like, who is capable of driving offense for us in the back end? Well, it's Charlie McAvoy and it's Hampus Lindholm. So who are the two D partners that can help them reach that ceiling? Well, it's Matt Grizzlick. And then is it Clifton or Carlo? And, that answer is clearly Clifton. It's like Connor Clifton is going to help Hampus Lindholm be Hampus Lindholm a hell of a lot more than Brandon Carlo is right now because it's just Brandon Carlo doesn't have he doesn't have the offensive awareness that Clifton does, and he doesn't have well. If I'm being honest, 
Connor's he he has more skill than with the puck on a stick than than Carlo does. I mean, um, well, look at I the think, goal he scored. He freaking lifted that like yeah, point yeah. blank, just lifted it top shelf, and I was like, wow, okay, that was a very you know goal scorer's goal, like skilled goal. Yeah, it was a bit of a broken play, but yeah, it's it's, it's it, to your point though, it's a nice finish. Like there's touch there, and when when the when the puck is on Connor Clifton's stick in transition. Something can happen. Whereas if that's Brandon Carlo, you're there's really not if once or it's almost like once or twice a year Carlo will show something on the rush. But like um anyway, so like so if you're Jim Montgomery, you just to Scott's point earlier, like Connor Clifton has earned that this year. And maybe for right now, I mean, maybe Brandon Carlo is, is better suited with Derek Forbert in like a in a lengthy shutdown pair at some point this year if Connor Clifton continues to play this way like I said he's going to enable Hampus Lindholm to be Hampus Lindholm uh, more so than Carlo would I think uh he just he in both in both uh all three zones like when 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 Lindholm is in his D zone Clifton's he's quicker to the puck than Carlo is he he makes he, he's a better passer in his own zone than Carlo is especially with his D partner and he can help push the game north obviously Matt Grizzly can do that with McAvoy so I just think if when, when you're trying to optimize two stallions in, in McAvoy and Lindholm and allow them to reach their offensive ceiling, right now it's Grizzly and Clifton that give those guys the best chance as D partners. Yeah, Cl- Clifton should have had an assist too in this game. Had a nice pass right right across the slot to Pasternak, and Pasternak mm-hmm. had net to shoot at and just sort of like healed the shot a little bit and end up going off the side of the net. And so to finish up like our, our conversation about the D um, first of all, Forbert got put on long-term IR today. That's why McAvoy was able to come back and it freed up the cap space they needed. Cause for a while there uh, we were, Scott and I were up in the booth, like how technically they don't have cap space if they didn't put Forbert on IR. So they either traded someone or they put Forbert on there and, and no one noticed it came up later that, um, it was that they put forward on long-term IR. And so that still leaves like when forward comes back, you have three extra defensemen. Like you have most likely Saboral, well, Strom, and Riley as like your three guys that are NHL level well, guys. That, that are, they have to trade someone because they have they're, to trade. They absolutely yeah, now they're going to have to free up when forward comes back, unless someone else goes on long-term IR, then they, they have to move $3 million. Yeah, but Strawman's contract is super low, so it's probably like I don't. I mean, they could cut him, I guess, but you know, they they probably look elsewhere to trade. But anyway, it's just it's, it's speak- gonna it's Riley. I mean, it, yeah, you know, writing, writing's clearly on the wall with Riley and his salary's in the right range. But the question is, is like, does someone become desperate enough that you that the Bruins don't have to give something up, or do they have to throw in a sweetener, whether it's you know, it might not be able to be salary retained, but a draft pick, a prospect, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think Riley's a good enough player to to not have to do that, but they know what's Well, he's been on waivers twice and no one's claimed him. So I know that's true, but I'm saying like for some teams he's an NHL guy. Like it's not it's it's not completely you're not getting a completely um, you know, banged up guy. So um anyway, my main point was just that they have a lot of depth on defense and like I was going to say too much so that they have to get rid of someone. Um, but Forbert's not back yet. So that's another 
conversation for another day later down the road. Um, and so another thing to to bring up about McAvoy is that when Coach Montgomery was asked about whether he'll play in both games in the back-to-back this weekend, he said the plan is to just play him in one of the games, um, but they're going to evaluate that before you know before the weekend and see how he feels after tonight's game so um the plan is to only play him in one of the games so maybe he doesn't travel to buffalo and he plays the home side of it against vancouver would be my guess um or maybe he plays in both but i think my guess is that he only plays in one just because they do want to make sure they do this the right way i mean i think one of the things they said too is if he's feeling up We'll, we'll see how he feels. And so if that tells me if that, if McAvoy has any say in it, then he'll obviously say, no, I want to play again. And maybe he will play. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think I understand the benefit of, or at least their mindset of, of easing him into it. But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, um, Martian said it best. Like you, you just got to get out there and start playing. And I, I don't know if they do, if they do man- manage his minutes or, you know, um, give him like a, a night off it would be just that it would just be one night so and then he, I don't like I don't anticipate them doing that this year he's gonna he's gonna be in the lineup every night as long as he's healthy so I just I, part of me is like just let him get let him get back anyway he's missed some time he didn't have training camp let him play against Vancouver and Buffalo I mean they're not, they're not world beaters in fact I was actually a little concerned tonight about his first game being uh, being back against Calgary because Calgary has some big bodies that like to forecheck and I was like oh I don't know. It's not the best best team to play against in your first game back, but uh, yeah, I, it I would, was one I of their most. Yeah, what's that? It was one of their most physical games that they that they've been in. Yeah, Montgomery said he thought it was the most physical, which yeah. you know, hard to argue. Um, yeah, it wasn't as firm of a. We're definitely not playing him back to back like it was with Marshan. Like Montgomery clearly at least left the door cracked open, whereas. With Marshand, it was like right from the get go. It was like, no, he's not playing the back to back. Period. Absolutely not. Um, and the Bruins also have three full days off after Sunday's game. They don't play again until Thursday, so there's already that built in break there as well. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, Bridget. I think you're right. Like if he's, I would say if he travels to Buffalo, he's probably playing both games because having him not travel would be the natural one to sit out. Um, so, so we'll see. Yeah. And maybe they'll just let them play against the, uh, the Vancouver Jackson uh, on Sunday, but, uh, which by the way, he does have a goal, uh, that was there a, in, in Vancouver. That was Did you see that goal? That, <laughs> yeah. that, that was the slowest shot I've ever seen in my life. It was, it was <laughs> Hey, one. they don't ask how. No, uh, hey, you know what? Good for him, though, to to get one in his first couple of games. I'm sure that felt good for him. You know? Um, uh, and just another funny thing that Coach said about McAvoy before we move on from the defense. Uh, so somebody asked him, like, does is it fitting that he scored just the same way that Marshawn scored um in his first game back? And he said the stars are falling in line, which I think he meant to say the stars are aligning. And he said that means that when Swayman comes back, he's going to get a shutout. And when Forbert comes back, he's going to get a hat trick. So, guys, just wait. I'm sure that's that's what's going to happen. It would have been better if he said Swayman's going to (laughs) score. Yeah. Oh, I have a – 
I have one other thing about the defense. Did you guys happen to watch the latest behind the B by any chance of the imagination? I caught a clip. I didn't watch the whole thing. All right. So there was a scene where um, they were, I'm trying to remember who they were playing. Oh, they were in the locker room in Pittsburgh before the Penguins game. And, and Jim Montgomery's, uh, he's sitting, he's sitting in like gym attire uh, in one of the stalls talking to the guys after the pregame skate. And there were a couple of guys sitting on the floor, like stretching while he was addressing the team. And, and, uh, and the, all of a sudden they show a close up of this guy. And I'm like, who I'm like, I'm like, I don't recognize that Bruins coach at all. This guy had a, he had a, a black Bruins sweatshirt on with a hoodie over his, over his head. And I go, I don't know who that coach is. And then I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> I go, that's Anton Strawman. He looked like he was, he looked like Creed Bratton. He looked like he was 60 years old. Cause he got rid. He had no goatee. I think, I think he used to have a goatee. Yeah. But he was cleanly shaven. And he looked like Creed Bratton from the office. He literally looked like he was like 65 years old. Um, <laughs> this is your last thought about the D WWW Creed thoughts, whatever. <laughs> um, it's just, a, of- it's just a word document. Yeah. <laughs> Backslash Creed thoughts. Um, no, you 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 mentioned Strawman's name a few minutes ago, and it just reminded me of that. But he looks he looks he's an old looking mother effort. But anyway, 